The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Mac19, and joining me, as always, uh, this off-season, is uh, both Rick and Portia. How are we going? Very good, thank you. Yay! Woo! Podcast Yay time. for us, living in Adelaide with a Crows Grand Final. Yay! You know what the good thing uh-huh. is? <laughs> I'm spending four days in Melbourne from Tuesday. Oh, yeah! <laughs> so I see they're going to be really good, because there's going to be lots of Richmond fans tearing up the joint. Or it's going to be really good because I'm not in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Either way, it's win-win, I reckon. Yeah, that, that's not bad. That's not bad. Have we I'm started the podcast, by the way? <laughs> we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, look, before we get started, um, we're going to do our third batch of player reviews titled The Firecrackers uh, in a moment. But I wanted to talk about the three main trade targets that have come out uh, for Port You're Adelaide, um, first and foremost. And... First one, because um, he's been... Three and a half. Three and a half. He's been rumoured to come here for the last uh, last few months now, and that's uh, Stephen Motlop from Geelong. Um, obviously the brother of Daniel, who previously played uh, quite a few years at Port Adelaide as well. Um, I guess uh, the first question I've got is, do we want Stephen Motlop? What's the price? That's always the main question. Well, he's free agent, so the price would just be... Well, whatever. Then yeah, why not? <laughs> whatever we choose to pay him. Yeah, well, look, I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, for, if we don't have to give up any draft picks, that's really what it's about. If we're going to lose Jackson Trengove to free agency, then that complicates things as to whether we go chasing free agents or not. That's probably the main one. Um, if we manage to get a trade for Jackson Trengove, which won't affect our compensation or whatever else, you know, blah, 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 then yeah, why not go for free agents? Why not? Why wouldn't we? Um. I don't know. What do you What do you guys reckon? Well, he's a typical X Factor type player, isn't he? Well, I mean, if you can bring of... if, if you can bring him in and get a pick for Impy, you, I think you're doing. You think you're pretty happy with that, aren't you? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. I mean, if we're trying to go like for like, like we like to at times, I'd say you got Motlop or Impy. Well, you'd take Motlop every time, wouldn't you? Yeah, and it makes so... and it makes the side oh, a stronger no, side. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, well, I'm well, I'm well on the Motlop bandwagon. I reckon he would suit our side perfectly. We need outside runners with good pace and good delivery inside 50. And uh, for the most part, he does that. Yes, he's a bit inconsistent. Um, but look, his best is absolute lightning. And we saw that in two finals this year, uh, where he was just about best on ground for Geelong. Um, uh, yeah, he can play the odd bad game, but uh, his best is certainly good enough to be in our first 18, and he would become an exceptionally damaging player, I would think. Well, I mean, there's more potential for it from him than from the person he'd be replacing. So, I mean, because like you said, we're thin on the ground in that area. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. The next so player I want to talk about. Us? What would he cost us? I don't know. 500,000? Probably, probably, probably 500k, I reckon, a year for uh, for the next few years, I think. I'd say contract length is a bigger concern than the cost, really. Well, I mean, especially... Apparently, apparently they've increasing. agreed on a three-year deal. Yeah, honestly. 26. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, <laughs> the next player, yeah. next player to talk yeah. about is uh, Tom Rockliffe, um, obviously the former captain of Brisbane, inside midfielder. Um, how do we feel about uh, Tommy? Well, first of all, before he's a Port Adelaide player, I want to say I think he's a complete tool, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, yeah, he'd probably be an all right, all right addition to the, to the team. Why do you think he's a tool? <laughs> Uh, he just seems like he just seems to have a real attitude. Um, every time you read an article that features Tom Rockliffe, it's just yeah, and you know he, he looks too much like Stephen Rowe for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh. That's below yeah, I know, the belt. Right? <laughs> Very harsh. Um, but as, as soon as he's put out, like yeah, go go, hooray, Rockliffe. <laughs> so who's he, who's he forcing out of the side that makes us stronger? Well, you would say the likes of Aaron Young and uh, and Brendan Archie, yeah. really. But they're not yeah. in the side. Well, they kind of are. Well, they um, they are in parts, aren't they? So um, well, they were. I, who, who, I who, think. 
I'll tell you how he's forcing out. He's forcing out the extra halfback flanker we're playing. Yeah. So mm. you could probably go out broadbent in Tom Rockliffe, really. Probably. Um, take some pressure off Pal Pepper. Um, look, I'm I'm absolutely all for getting Tom Rockliffe. I know you're a huge fan of Brennan Archie, Rick, but um, Tom Rockliffe is the finished article of what we all hope Brennan Archie might have become. Uh, you know, he's wonderful mm. inside. He can play it forward. He kicks a lot of goals. Um, he's an absolute clearance machine. He's a hard bastard. He tackles hard. Uh, and he's one of the best accumulators in the AFL as well. And, you know, to ha- to add a player of his size and experience to the likes of, um, you know, Robbie Gray and Ebert and Wines and, and Pal Pepper um, would just make us infinitely stronger through that midfield. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was just looking at it from, and I'm happy to have him because he's a great, he's a great midfielder. Um, this is sort of who we played in the finals. So so far we've forced Impey out with Motlop. We want maybe Jake, Jake Need out for Rockcliffe. Yep, I would do that. At oh, because we need forwards. <laughs> we need forwards. We um, don't need 171 centimetre forwards. No, I know, but like if we're saying here's a new midfielder to replace this this bad forward, it's like, well, yeah, but we still need a forward. Well, <laughs> well you okay. move Pal Pepper to a forward flank, which I think he's um, well um, suited okay. to yeah. anyway. Yeah, potentially. All right, maybe we'll see. Or even as we said before, Brad Ebert does a rotation through there as well. Yep. Yeah. It's plenty of options. I mean, I reckon Tom Rockley's probably one of the top twenty midfielders in the AFL. Um, yeah, if he wants to come here, you certainly don't say no to that. That's for sure. I think that the thing about both Motlop and Rockliffe is that it's not hard to slot them in our side. Like, we can shuffle people around, you know. Um, it's just a matter of who and hoping that it's the right person that gets shuffled out. Yeah. And the new one, um, which uh, came out today or, or late yesterday, was uh, Jack Watts, who's uh, in town. I would have thought to speak to Adelaide in regards to the Lever deal. Um but apparently he has done a tour of Port Adelaide and Port Adelaide is super keen. So how do we feel about uh, Jack Watts potentially being a Port Adelaide footy club player next year? My first hesitation is the circumstances of this, which it sounds like we're going to be paid. We're going to be put in the same position we were when we traded for Daniel Motlop, which was that we were basically forced to pay North Melbourne's ridiculous, no, uh, pay, yeah, North Melbourne's ridiculous demands for, was it Jonathan Hay or someone? Jonathan Hay, I think, or Thompson, was it Thompson? in that um, Hawthorne had agreed a ridiculous value with them and then we just ended up basically paying the compensation. It feels like we might be in a position to pay overs for Watts, who I don't... Like, he doesn't really fit our demographic in a lot of ways. I could see him being a short-term solution, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But wouldn't he be that... I don't know. Wouldn't he be that Lynch-type role player that you were looking for in our side portion? But we've got to trade for him. That's that's the issue for me. Like he's not a free agent, and that suddenly becomes a much higher barrier for addition, adding to the side. I'm just worried that we have to give up too much draft capital for him for a guy that's probably got three good years left. Four maybe. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. I don't think we will. He's only 26. I don't, I don't think we will. Like, um, I don't know. He's he's pretty fit as well. I, I don't. I think he'll last a good sort of four or five years. Um, no. I think. Last or perform is what I'm arguing about. I'm arguing about perform, not last. Yeah, look, we, <laughs> we've different. all said that we need another forward to come into the side and help out Dixon, help out um, Marshall, take some pressure off Marshall as well. Like Jack Watts, uh, the player type would is the absolute perfect player type for that sort of role to come in because um, it means a it means that Dixon doesn't have to do a hundred hundred meter sprints anymore. Uh, because that'll be Jack Watt's job. So Dixon can play a bit further um, or a bit closer to goal, which he's a lot more suited to. Uh, B, it takes off um, any sort of pressure off uh, Todd Marshall to have to kick sort of 35 to 40 goals next year if we're going to be a real premiership threat. Um, and it gives us a real you know, strong marker, um, a, a decent chaser, a good tackler, um, and someone who is a very, very accurate kicker goal as well. Um, I'm all for. I've ne- I've never even thought about Jack Watts coming to Port Adelaide before because I didn't think that that would ever happen. But um, I think he would suit us perfectly. I think it's really about how much he'd cost and what he'd cost. Like if he's costing us a player that was sort of on the outer anyway, or you know, or a couple or whatever else, that's fine as long as we're outgoings. But if it's like we're giving up a draft pick when we've already lost one, then I'm much less interested. 
Um, I think he would only cost us our second round pick, which you know, oh, pick twenty nine. Yeah, don't want to give up. Yeah, pick twenty nine for Jack Watts. But are we going to get top that we, we do get back need? Into the draft, I, would, I would be pretty happy with that. I don't know. Are we yep. going to get back into the draft? That's the real well, question. We're getting back in the draft with Aaron Young, Brendan Archie, Matthew Broadbent. Well, are we going to get rid of them? <laughs> you know, well, Gold Coast are well. apparently keen on Aaron Young. That's coming out today, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so that's third round keen, is it? I'm assuming. Uh, well, look, they've got a lot of a uh, lot of picks in the twenties uh, and thirties, so I'd happily take one of them for Aaron Young. Um, yep. Yep. The rumours coming out that Jarman Impey wants to sort of head back east, um, okay. so we'd get something for him. Uh, yep. There's there's obviously Brendan Archie, and and I said on Monday that there's uh, three to four clubs who are interested in him. We'd get something for him. Don't believe that. So I think we would definitely get back into the draft. Um, obviously, Trengove to go as well. Uh, you know, if we miss out on Rockliffe, maybe we could do a trade, a straight trade for Stephen Motlop, which means that we get a draft pick uh, for Trengove as compensation. Mm. There's been That's the rumour that uh, the Jarman, that uh, Geelong have been interested in Jarman Impey for about 15 months now. Um, you know, maybe we do Stephen Motlop for Jarman Impey, and uh, we take the compensation pick for Trengove. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and I'd still be keen to shop Broadbent around too. Yeah, well, there's yeah, heaps of players we can shop around. Yeah. The thing that I'm most pleased about is that I think um, you look at those three player types, so an outside runner with good skills, an inside beast, and an experienced key forward who can play as that third toll. Um, you know, they're all positions that we've earmarked as, um, as something that we need to solve if we're going to go, you know, a couple of steps further up the ladder. Um I'm okay with us not being too heavily involved in the draft this year because I don't particularly rate it all that highly. Um, you know, we got four really good players last year. That's why we did those trades, um, knowing that this year was going to be a little bit down. Um, so I'm pretty happy if we want to go the experience route. I don't think it's going to um, put us in a bad position going forward. I think it's going to improve our side. Uh, if we can get two of those players, I would be absolutely stoked. So, what about the um, the Aaron Francis one? Do you think we're maybe having a bit of a chat to him in case Watts doesn't come through? Well, I think we've been talking to him for a little while, and I'm sure Adelaide has as well. The rumour is it that he's wanted to come home. Uh, Essendon haven't been overly impressed with his work rate. Um, you know, apparently his skin folds are up. He doesn't work hard enough. His endurance isn't good enough for AFL football. Um, so, look, he might be an option if Jack Watts falls through, but I would think Essendon would want a lot more for Francis than what we would be able to get for Jack Watts. Yeah, but Francis hasn't played, right? Well, there's a six-year age gap between the players. Yeah, he's like 19 years old and was a pick three two years ago. Pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Two years ago. He would be certainly... um, Yeah, they would probably want a first-round pick back, I would think. Yeah, maybe. What do you do? You, honestly, Porsche, do you think he's worth, like, at any club, do you think what he's done and the development they've put in, that he's still worth a first rounder, or has he drifted to a second rounder? Look, it's hard to know. This is the, this is the thing about, um, this, he's sort of a Barry Brooks, yeah, in that we still don't know a lot about him, except it's a bit like, mm, yeah, don't know. Um, so he's sort of at the high point. For exposed for um, trade value and at a low point for exposed form that you can really judge from. Um, I wouldn't mind putting him in sort of the the even the the, the short slash orange basket where we just sit on him for another year or two almost um, to see what he's going to become because it'll his his price will change. He'll either prove himself as a key forward that can play, in which case we'll be paying a price that's a bit worth paying, well, or he'll really get worse forward. and we won't overpay. Well, or whatever. Else. Yeah. Um, I'll take a few goals. Uh, no, he mainly plays down back. Okay. Oh, we don't really need that anyway. So yeah. I'd sit on him. Yeah. I thought he was the height of a key forward. He is. He's 190 yeah. centimetres. So he's not, he's sort of oh, a bit, sort of bit in between. But he usually plays as that third toll down back. Um, that sort of, he reads the play exceptionally well. Takes a lot of intercept marks. Uh, can play up forward and, and did a lot so yeah. for West Adelaide. So there is that option there. And maybe we do want to turn him into a forward. Um, there's also been, uh, I think Essendon were keen to turn him into a bit of a, a midfielder, but obviously that 
hasn't gone anywhere near happening uh, <laughs> if those rumours well, rumors of his work rate and, and fitness level are true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I see you're excited that uh, Gold Coast might be interested in uh, Lobie, Macca. What, really? Well, uh, apparently. I mean, you know, let's, let's just not rock the boat here and uh, let's say, yes, wow. experienced Ruckman. You know, he's uh, super fit. Better than Keegan Brooksby? No, he's not even better than Keegan Brooksby and they just enlisted him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know who they've got as a Ruckman anymore because um, uh, Nichols doesn't really play all that often. He's usually injured. Brooksby's, uh, oh, Jared Witts. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Why would they want Lobie if they've got Jared Witts? Well, they're, they're pretty Probably similar. Look, he might be an added bonus where we cover all of his salary, but he's included in another trade we do with Gold Coast. I, I reckon that's a bit of a furphy, to be honest. Because if, if they're going to get Braden Crossley in the draft, um, I would... Yeah, I, I don't see why they would want Matty Lobie. I reckon, well, I'm just saying it might... I reckon someone's it, just come it, up with that for them. Yeah. It could even be a trade condition say. from Port. Like, you know, okay, we'll give you Aaron Young, and but you've got to take uh, Matthew Lobie because he'll take a list spot that we've got that we don't that we want to use, and we'll pay all of his wages. You'll get a free Matthew Lobie, and he comes with. And but that's how Aaron Young comes to you. Like, that, you know, it sounds dumb, yeah, but it sounds the, real. It's the Reese Palmer deal. That's what it is. Well, it's 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 worth it to us because it frees up a list spot, and we we still have to pay him. Yeah, okay, we have to pay him, and it's worth it to them because then they've got that last last chance emergency back backup ruckman. Who, who knows, he might thrive in a new environment, you never know, uh, that can be the last player on their list because they don't have a deep list right now. Hmm. So it's it's really that sort of thing I think could be very real to happen between a club like Port and a club like Gold Coast. I don't see it happening with Lobie, but uh, look, Aaron Young is a fine player and they would he would certainly um, improve Gold Coast's uh, squad, that's for sure. And uh, I, um, I would happily what... accept a, a second-round pick for him. What about the disturbing news that Josh Franco might end up being at the Crows? Well, that's that disturbing. Oh, it is a bit. I think a lot of people were hoping to sort of bring, maybe even bring him back to Port. Um, you know, he's uh, spoken very, very highly. He's coached the team in his own right. Uh, he's done really good things at Sydney. Um, looks like David Teague's leaving the Crows, and Josh Franco will be replacing him. I'd put him in the future coast investment, future coach investment fund, and having him training at the the team that's making a grand final right now, it's probably not a bad thing. So, true, <laughs> true, very true. Mm. Mm. Anyway, let's uh, let's move yeah. on and start our uh, player reviews. Obviously, titled the Firecrackers. Um, so, a bunch of players who uh, this is going to be more of a positive one. This one than what the last one was, which is uh, which yeah. Is not. Uh, so, the first player. People's favourite, Charlie Dixon, who uh, is 27 years old, played 23 games this year. Had a massive year, far and away his best year at AFL level. Uh, 49 goals was a career high. He had more than double his previous best marks with 149. Um, More than double his previous best inside 50s. He had his most goal assists, marks inside 50. Had the most contested marks in the AFL at the end of the minor round. Uh, He pretty much did it all this year. I think that the most exciting one about uh, Charlie Dixon's season, he actually played every game. Yeah. That's he it. hasn't done that before. That's a Stay new one. Fit. He hasn't done it before. Yeah. And he played 18 games last year, but you know, half of them he was sort of uh, on one leg. So it was good to see him yeah. fit and strong and uh, super quick and uh, showing what he really is capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he had a, he's had an absolute cracker of a season. Really good. Um, he uh, he's run so hard. He's basically made our forward line. He's done all. I reckon he works as hard as Warren Treadway, but he obviously lacks that little bit of class. But um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a, he's an absolute uh, essential component in our side. There's no doubt. I want to keep being negative. So no shit. He's overrated. Didn't kick enough goals. Let us down. Cost us the final. So disappointed. Where's that dump button? Rick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just. I thought you just had a nice spicy meal of food that you pretended you couldn't taste because it was so spicy. You should be in a good mood. Yeah. No, I'm in a very good mood. And Dixon makes me in a very good mood because, I mean, you talk <laughs> about resilience. He, um, near the end of the season, he sort of, uh, what was it, a couple of games out, he sort of looked like he was going to roll rolled his ankle and I was thinking, here we go. But he's powered on manfully and showed his strength. And I guess the key for me was his aerobic capacity. He was a running machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
as I said a moment ago, you know, he was basically doing 100, 100 meter sprints. For a guy well. that's 200 centimeters and 100 kegs, like, uh, you know, it's just madness. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, look, he, he had a great year. He kicked uh, six bags of four or more. Um, so he really came to play um, and, and played really well against good opposition as well, I thought, which, uh, which is always nice as well. Yeah, no, he um he, he kept it up all year, really. Uh, it's not this is gonna be a, it might be another one of these ones where we don't talk much about the players because they were just so excellent that there's not mm. a lot to say other than that they're really good. <laughs> but do you so, think that the lack of support for Charlie like was a detriment in that final because he had to do a lot more up and around the ground and it sort of sort of affected his uh, ability to sort of stabilise in front of goal. So we then that's why we need some more forward structure to support him so he can play deeper more often. Well, that's why Jack Watts would be perfect because uh, if, if Dixon wants to go on a run and, and sort of find the ball further up the field, then we've got someone to kick to a bit further up the ground who can take a contested mark or vice versa. You know, Jack Watts would be perfect as that lead-up forward, leaving Dixon to sort of roam the 50 and uh, take his uh, contested marks closer to goal, which uh, which is only a good thing. And the, the added bonus of that is... Um, He's not going to be so pooped after bloody running so much um, and having to sort of calm himself down and, and try and take a set shot, um, which obviously he had some issues uh, throughout the year. Set shot kicking was probably not great at times. We, we know he kicked three goals six in the final. Uh, he kicked 49-30 for the year, which uh, which isn't bad, but uh, he did miss quite a few sort of gettable goals. And I attribute that to the fact that he just bloody sprinted like a madman for the last sort of uh, minute and a half up and down the field. And he's had to try and calm himself down and uh, and slot a goal from 40 metres out from row F in the grandstand. Yeah, um, like he worked hard in the final, but he hasn't worked much less hard all season. Um, but the main difference is how much the rest of these teammates managed to keep the ball on the forward line. I think that's been the real noticeable thing yeah. uh, between our wins and our losses. So that is... He's doing what he should be doing. There's no doubt about it. He's absolutely doing what he should be doing. Yeah. Um, but we need the rest of the forward line to be a forward line and our coaches mm. to play them as a forward line. So do you have, that, you know, do you have a is the, is the big highlight question. moment of the season for Charlie Dixon? I liked, his, uh, <laughs> I liked his game against West Coast in round 16. I thought that was probably his best game for the year. Um, loved his first half in the final. Uh, loved what he did against the Bulldogs as well. Oh God! This is the problem because I can't remember which opponent was against, but he it was in Melbourne. In Melbourne, he took a mark around half back and he just gunned it forward. Um, I think I forget. I forget. I'm I'm bad at remembering those little moments. It's fun, not a commentator. <laughs> I love it. I love his sliding door moment where he got called to play on against Geelong, and then it put all our support supporters in the milk for the rest of the season. Oh yeah. Oh, you love that. Yeah, I, I yeah, love, love it, love it, yeah. love it. It's controversial. Yeah, I guess I like every brilliant. time he gets super enthusiastic about something. That That's the one for me for Charlie. Every time he just looks like he's going to, his head's about to explode, he's so happy. That's fun. Well, what about his... <laughs> I love his celebrations <laughs> after goals. He looks... Uh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. great. Looks like his wife has just given birth or something, you know. <laughs> what about him yeah. creating the rumour that he was walking out on the club over the uh, Kenny Koshy thing? Who I never even heard that one. Didn't you? Nah, nah. Oh, so it was some bullshit rumor, and um, well, obviously that he was he was he's walking out of the club, and then you get a photo of him in the change rooms like twelve hours later, going yeah. So um, he's still there. He seems like an awesome club guy. He seems like a nice guy actually. It'd be good to meet him and have a chat to him one day. Hmm. So can he back it up next year? Should be able to get better. <sighs> Barring injury, that's really the qualifier. Um, yeah. I think with some um, genuine that, support, yeah. there's no reason why he can't add another 15 goals next year. For me, I think that his individual performance might diminish, but if that happens, it'll be because our forward line is working better as a group and there's not as much need for him to be everyone. Yeah. And I think that'll be better for him and better for the club. Yes. Right, let's move on and talk about our second player, Sam Powell Pepper. Obviously, his yeah. first year at the club, 19 years old, played 22 games, kicked 16 goals for the year, averaged 17 disposals, 5 tackles, and 3 inside 50s a game. Uh, 
Porsche, we were super stoked that we got him in that draft podcast yep. last year. Yep. And uh, he backed it up all season. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, look, he um, he had a really good season. Uh, certainly at the start was explosive. I did. I think there was a game around mid-season where I said I was a little bit concerned he was trying to be a bit of a Chad Wingard. And I think we did see that a couple of times later in the season. But he's in Devers there. He's a young player. He'll learn. Um, and it's just a matter of keeping him focused on the team ethic. But apart from that, he has had an absolute cracker of a, this season for any AFL football. He's, like we said at the time, he's the, S- he's the South Australia and WA rising star for 2017. And that's not too bad. Yeah, he was a bit unlucky in the Rising Star Award, wasn't he? he was, you know, he was uh, played the you know the hard, one of the hardest positions you can inside mid for a first year player, and was amazing. I thought he should have started in the SANFL, but you know he proved me wrong straight away, didn't he? He was had an awesome impact, and I guess my key my enjoyable moment for him was when he sort of did that spear tackle just before half time to really change the momentum against West Coast. Was that against Gap? We just sort of folded him in half. He just ran off the bench yeah. and that's where he sort of hurt his shoulder. And But he, he just wanted to make a statement, nah, screw this, we've got to get physical. And I mean, that's leadership. I think my favourite Sam moment this year is in the pre-season just when he had that uh, fend-off on Sean, on Sean Bergwijn. Was it a fend-off or was it a tackle? The uh, don't argue, yeah. Yeah, don't argue, yeah, fend-off, yeah. yeah. That was good. That was very good. Well, he had a great start to do his... Uh, to his career, his first three games were absolute gold. He had a great game against Brisbane as well. Um, my favourite Sammy moment was probably his goal against Hawthorne, where he got in uh, Josh Gibson's face straight after. Uh, love that. I love his post-goal celebrations. They're always gold. And um, look, the sky's the limit for Sammy. Like He does need to improve his kicking and his decision-making, that's for sure. Especially later on in the year, he became a bit of a clanger merchant. Um but look, he's he's playing a, a pretty hard role, and uh, for someone so young, you know, it's very very hard to fault what he did this year. Mm. Absolutely. And I love his um, comb over hairstyle too, with his <laughs> filthy mo. I hope he keeps that going. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, second year blues. Do you think he might uh, succumb to them, or do you think he'll oh, I think uh, he get bigger will. and better? I think he definitely will. I think he's probably extremely likely to. Um, because, I mean, the first part of the season, which was his best part of the season, he was aided by the fact that no one knew who the hell he was. Now, there's an entire off-season for, you know, opposition scouts to do homework and all that sort of thing. And, yeah, no, he's going to find it tough. He's going to find he gets more attention in the first half of the year. If he has, if he's works hard enough, he'll probably pull out of it in the second half. But that first half's going to be really rough for him. I've got no doubt. Yeah, I think so as well. I think um, he's going to find life a little bit harder than what he found this year. Um, that's why getting someone like Tom Rockliffe would be perfect, just to uh, take some pressure off him. And you know, suddenly then he's you know our fifth or sixth best midfielder um, and can really sort of let loose. Mm. Yep, I'm with you. And I was just about to say the same thing. You know, that's what makes getting Rockliffe so important, and it just gives us that extra rotation in the midfield and. I guess Richmond's showing in a way with the uh, with their team for the grand final, especially their forwards, that it, it's just becoming a heavily biased midfield game now, isn't it? You just need to have a massive midfield depth. You need yeah. a lot of run, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah until they change the rules again. Mm. Yes. Right. Uh, third player, Paddy Ryder, 29 years old, played 22 games this year. Averaged 12 disposals, 3 marks, and 37 hitouts a game. Kicked 11 goals, and uh, obviously was named All-Australian Ruckman as well. Um, was that his best season of AFL football? Yep. Yes. Yep. That's good. <laughs> Next. Um... <laughs> well, it, was, it was his best AFL season of football, obviously. He got All-Australian, which he rightfully deserved. Um, near the end of the season, I don't know if it was his ankle injury that he was carrying, or um, he did have a couple of uh, poor games. You know, in the final, wasn't that great um, against Adelaide in that second showdown. We got pantsed. Um, so hopefully, he can take that away and even be a better player next year. Yeah, but his tap work was amazing. Brendan laid his tap work was uh, was an absolute highlight all year. And look, he did have those sort of three to four. 
not even poor games, like really poor games. Um, so even if he just improves on that, he's going to improve a little bit next year, I think, as well. Um, I guess that's something that he's got to deal with. He's coming up against um, some real taller Ruckman guys like Max Gorn. He, he sort of struggled with a bit this year. Uh, I was really disappointed in him getting suspended earlier in the year. I think that cost us the GWS game. Uh, I'm still a bit dirty on that. Uh, but over, overall, I thought he, he certainly made up for it with his uh, form through the um, you know, middle and second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. He um, look, he's, he had a fantastic performance um, that had, I don't know, certainly me on the knife edge all season, just hoping, oh my God, I hope he doesn't get injured. <laughs> and that GWS game early on, that was a real taste of what happens if we lose Paddy Ryder for a few weeks because um, yeah. he we really missed him, and honestly, if he had been missing, we would have really struggled this season, and probably will next season too, unless something drastic happens in terms of list management. So, yeah, mm. Mm. you guys like to scapegoat players for um, suspension, don't you? Tom Jonas in the final, Paddy Ryder right. against GWS. When you do stupid both... things and you cost the team, you deserve to be scapegoated. And also, both of those games, there have been times people have been suspended and it hasn't really mattered, absolutely. Um, but both of those games were games when the guy they definitely would have matched up on got away. Um, and, you know, that's the real issue. Yep. For sure, let's talk about our next player, which is uh, your man Porsche, Tommy Cleary, who's uh, 23 yeah. years old, played 23 games this year, played every game. Uh, averaged 12 disposals, 5 marks and 5-1% as a game. Um yeah, he just made that fullback spot his own this year. Look, this is one I'm not going to give you a simple yes answer to because he has been absolutely fantastic. Um, what I really like about him as a backman for us is that he can take marks from behind the forward, which is really great, but he manages to do it without having to jump up in the air to do it as well, yeah. which is fantastic positioning because that yeah. means if he does some, if he somehow doesn't take the mark, he's ready to go after the ball when it hits the ground. Um, so that, like, as a defender, that is absolutely, absolutely pinpoint perfect to what you want to be able to do. Um, you know, Holmes is a bit guilty of going a bit high and, you know, leaving himself unable to recover if he doesn't get it right. And But nah, Cleary's got it absolutely bang on. He's, it's first-class first class key defender play there. Um, and all across, you know, all across that, he's been really good. I think there are a couple of games early where he was exposed by the, the team. Uh, against opponents that were much taller than him, hopefully how would be a problem. We'll solve that problem going forward. Um, but no, he has had an absolutely fantastic season. At the start of the season, I thought he would be trade bait, and now he's not. So he has mm. been fantastic. He certainly surpassed all my expectations. I guess what he what he really improved on this year was his one on one skill, wasn't it, Macca? I remember when we met at the parade, and you know he sort of got pantsed at against West Coast in that preseason game yeah. a year or two ago. And, you know, we, well, I was banging on to you about the um, his lack of body work, but um, he's really been able to um, improve on that over the off-season. And, uh, yeah, he was probably our most – well, not probably. He was our most consistent defender, I guess. Yeah, look, yeah, it's taken time for, for Tommy to uh, to come good. You know, he's been sort of thereabouts. You know, his SANFL form's been really, really good over the years. He started off with a bang with Glenelg, which was great. Um, you know, his his endurance has always been a highlight. But it's taken some time for him to really sort of work on his craft and become sort of AFL ready. Um, and you're both right. His positioning was an absolute highlight this year. I, I think to take the amount of marks that he's done, um, especially contested marks as well, um, and to be able to... Do that, as you said, Porsche, without sort of jumping off the ground um, and not being able to give away a free kick because he only gave away 16 free kicks in 23 games this year, which is pretty good exactly. for a clear defender. Exactly. Um, it, it's just great that he's able to do that. It, it is an absolute highlight. It's um, you know, it's, it, it's a really good tool to have to be able to be able to do that. Um, and it's something that um, I'm going to really look forward to seeing him do um, for many, many years to come. It's a quality that is entirely consistent with an all-Australian backman. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And look, he had, he had a really good year. Like He took on a lot of big jobs. Um, and uh, I can't remember too many times where he got uh, absolutely hammered. Um, you know, he was probably pretty poor in the final. Uh, he was probably pretty poor against uh, Adelaide in the second, uh, in the second match. But outside of that, uh, there weren't too many bags of goals being kicked on Tom Cleary this year. 
No, no. Um, mostly, yeah, like I said, the, the, the only time he was really having problems when he, was when he was up against an opponent that was a fair bit taller than him. Yeah. Um, from my memory, anyway. So that you know, that's like I said, with Howard in, hopefully he'll take those matchups from now on, and uh, you know, Cleary will be able to have a, a field day for sure. Uh, next player, Jared Polek, uh, 24 years old, played uh, 22 games this year, averaged um, 22 touches, four marks, and four and a half inside fifties a game. Um, like Charlie Dixon, like he pretty much had uh, career highs all over the place. Um, I thought he was stunning this year, to be honest. Like, he was one of our best players for much of the season. Um, maybe fell away a little bit as the year went on, but his first half of the season was um, was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that he probably just got increased attention as he went on because he was so clearly so important to our side as an outside midfielder in a team that was a bit weak on them. Yeah. Um, he has had an absolutely fantastic season. I don't think he really dropped his bundle that I could ever saw. Uh, he just kept working and kept trying. And, you know, for, like, you wouldn't expect to say that about Jared Pollock, say, three years ago. Um, but this year, you know, he's even absolutely matured year. as a player. Yeah, even last year, but three years. Well, you yeah, remember the, the Bulldogs game last year. Where he was manned yeah. up on Jake Stringer, and that cost us the game <laughs> yeah. in that last yeah, quarter. Okay. And then he got dropped for six weeks. Um, mm. You know, that was only last year. And uh, I think to come back from that, and to have the sort of year he had where he was super consistent all year. Yeah. And the only really real sort of games where he got stopped were where we were kind of a, a bit undermanned and, and really under the pump, which yeah. for an outside midfielder like he is, um, you're never going to have a huge impact in those games. But the thing that really impressed me was that in games, in, in tough games against good opposition, I'm talking, thinking about the Geelong game, thinking about the Hawthorne game, thinking about the West Coast final, and uh, certainly the Bulldogs game later in the season as well, he really came to play and was one of our best players. Absolutely agree. Um, he has been phenomenal. He's a senior player now, um, finally. You can say that about Jared Pollock, which is a really good step up for him, and well done. He might even be added to leadership group next year. Who knows? Mm. Rick? We lost Rick. Rick's gone. He just... Uh, he doesn't care, isn't care enough about Jared Pollock. That's care. the issue. That's it. He doesn't care. He's, he he uh, spat the dummy as soon as you started bagging Brendan Archie, let's face oh, it. Uh, that's true. He's been in a bad <laughs> mood all evening. Like, uh, I don't even think his meal was that good, to be honest. I think he was just faking it. But, uh, yeah, hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Oh, Rick. Uh, right, last player. Uh, another young one, and that's uh, Dan Houston who, um, 20 years old, played 17 games, uh, averaged 16 disposals, 6 marks, and 3.5 rebounds a game. Uh, is his one of the most unusual seasons we've seen from a Port Adelaide player in a long time? Just quickly, how's that? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Awesome. What was the question? Sorry, what was the question again? Uh, was Dan Houston's one of the most um, unusual seasons we've seen from a Port player in a long time? I All guess right, it was no, like... no, it's not. And this is the Dan Houston hour because he is amazing. So um, <laughs> we, are, you, are we ready to talk, Dan the man? Now that I, I had to change because my computer died of power, so I'm now on the phone. Oh. But, um, yeah, Dan, I don't know. I don't think so. Why is it an unusual thing? Dan I'll showed... Think, because because I, he came to the club I, as, a, as a medium-sized forward, uh, spent yeah. all year last year playing as a forward, um, suddenly we try him as a defender and he absolutely shines. Um, it, it's very rare for these sorts of uh, you know positional changes to happen, especially for a guy on a rookie list to come in and um, not just play you know two or three okay games and then you know not get hurt of again like a Jared Irons. He came in and made himself a first team player probably for the rest of his career. <laughs> Yeah, and look, it is uncommon to do those positional changes, maybe less so going from the forward line to the back line. There have been a few of those, Gavin Wangani notably among them. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, it was an unusual story because he became more settled than senior defenders in our side within four games, you know to say, um, where he was just more cool-headed. When he was in the middle of traffic, he still managed to cope with it okay, which is really, you know, for a young player, that's a huge test. Um he has an excellent disposal. Uh, there's nothing he didn't do for us this season. Um, and, I mean, the fact that he got dropped after one poor game was ridiculous. Uh, and yeah. he proved that. He proved that very quickly as soon as he came back in the side. So, 
No, fantastic season. Uh, great story too. Just the fact that he managed to come off the rookie list and come from not having been a backman and just to make it his own um, to be a first eighteen player because he is now. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic season from Dan, and he he must he's probably having a, he's probably having a really nice off season now. So good on him. He deserves it. Yeah, I just I can't believe that there's still some Port supporters that don't recognise the value that he provides, and you know trolling the, the social media world and you see these suggested 18 teams and he's not on the he's not on the park or even in the team for 2018 is because just people um, like familiarity that's, that's yeah. what the, like people like the broad bents and the you know the heartlets back there yeah. and you know they want homsch and jonas and cleary and you know they're, they're happy to leave out howard and houston because they don't trust them yet because they they're not you know 100 game players um yeah, yeah. but what you they're said on that Facebook thread, which I 100% agreed with, was, you know, why do we back in the players that have let us down so often? You know, put the faith in the kids that have uh, shown a lot of talent and have shown that they could be uh, even better players. Were you stalking my social media contribution, Maka? Not stalking, mate. Just uh, came up on my feed and uh, nodded in agreement. Is it possible yes. to stalk social media? Like, is that even possible? You're putting it out there for everyone to read. So, you know, it's not really stalking to read it. He, he didn't, but my, my buddy, my partner in crime of five years, he didn't come in and when this guy was calling me a peanut and stick up for me. He didn't, well, he didn't, well uh, you are a peanut, mate. But uh, I did agree with that uh, one thing that you said. <laughs> you get well, the camera I'm, of the podcast. Ooh. Well, I just, hey, come on. I'm not a ranger. Hey, um... Well, I, I try not to get involved get... in uh, in Facebook arguments on Port Adelaide pages because uh, it's just pointless. Why why get involved in Facebook arguments in any Facebook argument ever, really? Yeah. yeah. I just, um, yeah, I guess you've heard me talk about it, but I just thought his composure, like his intercept marking for a first-year player was solid. Uh, yeah. His disposal, his disposals was fan- like one of the best in the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably the best defender, definitely. Um, no. no, like best defender for disposal, like disposal oh, efficiency. I don't reckon Cleary messed up too many. Oh, you, you just you've just got a crush for Cleary. I do. He's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, re- I reckon we could probably do a comparison there, and Dan would probably beat him. But uh, look, we're, we're fighting over two very good players and two junior players, which is great. Well, and, it's nice to be fighting uh, over good players rather than bad ones for a change. <laughs> and I would be hor- I would be horrified and mortified if. You know, Dan's pushed out at the beginning of 2018 for um, you know a recovering Jack Hompson or a, or Matthew Broadbent. And well, that's um, the big question, isn't it? Like, uh, come round one next year when uh, you assume everyone's going to be pretty fit, does he play? Yeah, clearly. I think I think he has to. Well, I think he gives uh, us something completely different to all the other defenders in our side, and that's um, great skills, calmness under pressure, reads the play exceptionally well, can take intercept marks, uh, can shut down his opponent. Like, uh, you know, he's pretty much the complete package already down there after just 17 yeah. games. And uh, none of the other defenders that we've got, especially his size, can actually do that. No, absolutely. And, I mean, the only reason he might not play is if we don't move any players on at all and we have terrible selections. Like, that's the only reasons, really. Hmm. Um, but if we have good selections and we move on players that, sh- you know, really can and should be moved on, then he's absolutely in the first 22 every week. So That's not even stressful. That's not even a tough one, really. No, no. He should be. Uh, I hope he backs it up next year. Um, yeah. Yeah, because... As I said, like I, I consider him to be part of our first eighteen until he retires. Basically, I think he's going to be that good. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right, yeah. that's the end of the player reviews. Uh, got some couple of questions, only a couple. Uh, Zach Wild has asked, "Could Charlie Dixon be the biggest dreamboat to ever play for PAFC?" Mm. No one mm-hmm. beats Scott Hodges. Very true. You can't beat Scotty. No. no, and on, honestly, watching Warren Treadray, like, he, yeah, he was, you know, I like Dixon, but watching Warren Treadray, you had surety, yeah? Like, you'd see the ball going in his rough direction, and it's like, yeah, he's going to mark that. And you, he, before it's even anywhere near him, and he'd mark it, you know, every time. 
Um, like that's the one thing that you got from watching Warren Trudeau that I, I, I still don't think you're going to get that from Charlie Dixon. You might never get it from Charlie Dixon, but um, just that, that confidence where when the ball gets to him and that opposition dread of when the ball goes their way, that they're going to do something extremely damaging with it and there's nothing yeah, no they can do to stop do, it. No matter what you do, you're not yeah. going to stop it. It's exactly. Like it's, like, uh, it's on got, railroads, you yeah. know, you just know exactly what's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. And that was Warren Treadway, and that's how far Dixon is off him. But no, and this team, he's absolutely fantastic, and it's really great we got him. Mm. Uh, Christoph yes. has asked, assuming that Port will inevitably get Jack Watts, can we go through every single possible permutation of Watts, wattage, and power puns, please? Uh, no, Look, let's not. <laughs> clearly, he's going to be electric up forward. So, but is the... Yeah, you know, apparently he's, he's soft. Is he soft? Can you call any AFL footballer soft outside of Nathan Loney? Um I don't think he's soft. I, I, look, I don't think I he's think soft he was, anymore. I don't, I don't think he's soft, but I think he has a similar issue to what we saw a little bit from Marshall in his games and that he does get a little bit lost sometimes. Well, he's, um, he's got a serious case of the Justin Westhoffs, let's face it. Like, he, he looks well, a bit yeah, laconic. Like, There's games where he doesn't really do anything and you think, yeah, for fuck's sake, just bloody get a kick, you know. Um, but I, I would, like Justin, I wouldn't he say he's soft. Like, uh, he doesn't avoid no, I don't think anything. Justin Westhoff's soft. I just think no. you know, he can be a little bit lazy, and that's uh, the same as what Jack Watts is. Yeah, for, mm. for me, I think Watts, Watts can occasionally. I, I think, like I said, if he's a forward, and I, if he doesn't know the game plan brilliantly, then he gets lost. Um, so that could be an issue going from yeah. Melbourne to us, I guess, is quite different. Um, he might be a slow starter. You never know. Um, Pommy Power has asked, uh, should we get uh, the trio that we've spoken about, Rockliffe, Motlop, and uh, and Watts? Where does that leave the likes of Power Pepper, Atley, and Drew in the pecking order? Fine, really. Not not much changed, I don't think. Um, Drew, even next year, he'd probably still play at most 10 games, I guess. Um, and we've got to remember, we're coming out of a season where I think... I'm pretty happy about saying that this is the least injuries we've had in any AFL season. Um, so, yeah, probably. you know, that it's unlikely to repeat, in which case that gives opportunities for young midfielders. So that's where we're at, I think. <clears throat> I think we can still add Rockliffe and Atley to our side. We could. Um, it does get a bit grindy, though. That's my concern. Like midwinter, absolutely. Start of the season, no. I don't know. I think... Uh... I think you're underestimating the pace of Atley and uh, what he can do on the outside. I reckon. I reckon no, I don't because I'm I'm talking about the team here, not just those two in exclusion. Mm. Um, and I think that having both of them in the side on a you know a nice dry track, I think that makes our overall midfield too slow to compete with most teams in that early season. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Brownlow Medal. Um, obviously, we were podcasting while it was on on. Uh, on Monday night, uh, but Dustin Martin obviously won, uh, 36 votes, most votes of all time, and Ollie Wines finished with 18 and finished inside the top 10, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good for him. Um, yeah, well, they know him, so mm. it's the same as the supporters that, uh, you know, about Dan Houston, it's the same thing, they know him now, so he'll attract votes in future seasons, do you think? Although I think, uh, you know, Ollie has that sort of game style, which is just going to attract votes for the rest of his career. Um, yeah. And the more we win, the more chance he is of uh, getting up towards that sort of 25 to 30 mark where he's a chance of winning it. Yeah, I agree. So the, the club finished fifth, 14 wins. Seventh. Pardon? Finished seventh. No, no, the minor season. Fifth of the minor round, which is the yep. Brownlow round. Yeah, sure. We... Yeah. Because I, I, to be honest, I've really seen nothing of the Brownlow. Um, I noticed we got eighty-four total points. How does that? How does that compare to the other teams? You're looking at the, the stats, top... mate. Hey, <laughs> you're the one looking at the stats. I don't reckon Macker and me have got them up. We had the know, third most asking... votes. Okay, there you go. As a club, yeah. So Sydney and Adelaide had the most, and uh, we were third. There you go. Well, that's unusual. That is unusual. But we had it spread between many players. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we had we Which had three players thing. with uh, with pretty good scores. With uh, Ollie Wines with eighteen. That's uh, obviously top ten. Brad Ebert was just outside the top ten with fifteen, and uh, Robbie Gray got twelve as well. So, um, what did um, what did Dustin Marston win it with? Thirty six. Slaughtered it. Killed it. Yeah. Didn't he? Anyway, who cares? Brownlow is just bullshit anyway. And look, to finish off, I guess we've got to talk about uh, our predictions for the game this weekend. Do we we have to? Well, we don't have to. uh, We we might as well. Who do you think is going to win? Who's going to win? What's the margin? And who's going to win the Norman Smith? Crows are going to win by, say, I don't know, 30. Um, shit, I don't know, Norm Smith. <laughs> Dustin Martin for Norm Smith. Um, yeah, that's mine. I'm going to say Crows Richmond. by 46, and uh, Brad Crouch will win the Norm Smith. Oh, Brad Crouch fan number one, Macca. Mm. I'm going Richmond by 46 points. And... I reckon Cochin is going to win the medal. Okay. And I, I reckon it's... Adelaide's going to have like a North Melbourne away game and they're going to have a horrendous start. Well, I, I really hope so, but I can't see it happening. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I think you're going to be horribly disappointed, Rick. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I feel I it in my bones. I don't know if it's just me being that sort of, you know, pessimistic or whatever, but I, I can't see how Adelaide lose this one, to be honest. I don't no. think Richmond have the class. I don't think they've got the firepower up forward. I don't think they've no. got the depth in their side. I think their bottom six players are weaker than Adelaide's. Um, I don't think they've got the defence to stop Adelaide's uh, key forwards. I think, you know, it's I quite think, possible someone got... like Andy Otten's going to do a Shane Ellen and kick four or five goals. Uh, I don't know. I, I just can't see how Richmond are going to win this one, even though they're probably going to have you know seventy percent of the crowd. For my, for me, I think that the issue is not that Richmond won't beat their tall forwards, but that they won't have. The, that's the strongest part of the mid, of the Richmond side. So if that if that area is at full capacity, then the rest of the side's got to stand on their own, and that's going to make them fall down. That's what makes us fall down. You know, when we have problems, if yeah. our defence is all under the pump, then the rest of the ground just has to stand on their own merits and there's not much. So I think that's exactly what's going to happen to them. Well, look, I've underestimated Richmond all year. Well, well that's true. They beat Geelong and they beat Geelong. Uh, I wasn't sure they would you, beat... You underestimated uh, Geelong all year too. Yeah, well, I didn't think they'd beat GWS. You know, I, I thought they'd miss the finals and I said that all yeah. year. So uh, even coming to the last three rounds, I thought they'd lose say. the last three rounds too. So I don't know. Maybe Richmond are just better than what I thought. They did. Maybe. They did actually win the same amount of games of Adelaide um, during the season, so it's not like they're bad. Um, I just think Adelaide are better. Yeah, I think they've got a better balance to their side. I don't know. I think if you believe in fate and all that bullshit, then I, I don't know. It's it just seems like Adelaide's sort of year where they, you know, won the bloody women's league and they'll end up being the first club in the first uh, in the first year to. To do the double. I don't believe in fate. I, I don't think I don't see how you can be a Port Adelaide fan and believe in fate because in you know in the, certainly in the SNFL history we've beaten so many teams that were fated to win. You know, um, yeah, no, possibly. So many times I just, I'd say Port are old and slow, yada yada yada, and then would win. You know, but maybe that I'd just be excited playing, uh, towards Port Adelaide. A Richmond win just to hear Pemberthy cry. Would be fantastic. It's been so he sickening. He, hey, well, let's he wouldn't hear him cry. Oh, yes, he would. He'd be you, squealing. Uh, unfortunately, I would because I'd turn the car on and then probably radio would be on double A because there's nothing else I listen to. So uh, then I just turn it off straight away. But um, it was so nauseating hearing about this road trip to Melbourne with him and that Will character, whoever it is, it was just. Um, Maybe want to vomit. Mm. So I guess I'm on the go Richmond train. Aren't we all? Go Richmond. <laughs> go Richmond. Please, I, for I'm, the love well, of God. You, well, you, you know what? I'm, I'm on the, the go Adelaide bandwagon. Oh, but I get stuffed. Be, but, 
but I want him to win by 120, so it wipes clean 100, 119 from 2007. Is, yeah, but knowing the us, risk? they'd win by 118. <laughs> That's true. They'd probably engineer it, wouldn't they? <laughs> Eddie Betts will take a mark like in the goal square and kick sideways just to uh, you know preserve our record. You can just, no, no. You, no, what happens is Eddie Betts takes a mark in the goal square and then the Crows Q squad are saying, no, 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 don't kick it. <laughs> you know how the AFL competition likes to copy the winner of the final? Could a Richmond win be a very bad omen for tall forwards for years to come? Why? Because they don't have they any. Only have They've one. got Jack Rewalt, okay. has 195 centimetres, and then okay. they've got like a a couple of mid-180s and then some smaller ones. Well, if we're taking that perspective, then the team most likely to suffer for that is probably us because we are the closest, I think, in terms of our where our talent is to Richmond right now. Um, so if Richmond win, then we might decide, oh, we don't need tall forwards, we'll do a Richmond. Um, I think that would be catastrophic. So another reason for me to say, go Crows. <laughs> well, it really is two complete different forward strategies because we, we know that Adelaide yeah. are playing the four key forwards and they've got the great small forward in Eddie Betts as well. And Richmond literally have only had two key for uh, two tall players kick goals this year in uh, in Rewalt and uh, Nane Curvis, and they're the only two tall players that they've got who've kicked over two goals this year. Mm. There you go. So, so it's two complete contrast ways of playing the game, and uh, I just don't think like Richmond's way will stand up because it's pretty much never stood up in history playing a small forward line. It's got on this far, though. It's rare. Well, it got West Coast pretty far as well under Phil Matera, but uh, you know they, they didn't go that one step further either. So, I don't know. Um, we'll be interesting to see, and uh, fingers crossed, um, we'll still have a podcast to do on, uh, on Monday. Of course we yeah. will. Of course we if will. The, if the Crows win, Macca and I might not be here, and it might be the Porsche hour. Okay, well, what group are we doing on Monday? Uh, that's a very good question, Portia, and I'm going to waste a little bit of time here because I don't know, so I'm just going to keep talking oh. until I open my uh, email account and work out what uh, what it is that we're actually going to be doing. But uh, there will be a podcast on Monday, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I can guarantee well, that. It's going to be the non-Dixons. Oh, uh, okay. There cool. you go. The non-Dixons. So that's all the which good is, ones that are. Which we can pretty much the... call the Richmonds, really. Yeah. So either we'll be celebrating the non-Dixons or we'll be cursing them based on their grand final result. Isn't that great? So we're working on the long weekend, is that what you're telling me? Oh, oh, no. Man. I'm going to be working all day, every day on the long weekend, Rick. So uh, cry me a river, mate. Hey, well, I'm looking at renting a place at Largs North. They'd be, be excited on the Esplanade there for That'd be good. six weeks. So yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll be coming in all the time for some chips with vegetarian chicken salt. Thanks. Okay. Cool. Done. Yeah. There you go. I love my sneaky carbs. Mm. All right. <laughs> on that note, uh, we're going to end there. We'll be uh, obviously podcasting on Monday at... Uh, We'll do it a little bit later at 9 o'clock on Monday. Um, but we will be what? here. And, uh, 9 o'clock? 9 o'clock, yes. What are we doing 9 o'clock for? So I can finish working. Oh, Jesus. Well, you just you just make it... The power's gone back to his head again, Porsche, hasn't it? He's just calling the shots. Well, you don't have Doesn't to be involved for it. It's perfectly fine. Perfectly yeah. fine. Oh, now, now he's trying to dump me, Porsche. See... <laughs> The conspiracy is real. How did I get involved hey. in this? Well, the hey, other way to do uh, it is uh, is if you you two just do it and I don't do it. No, I, I'm happy to wait tonight. No, we're too lazy. Yeah. This this is the old this is the thing, Rick. <laughs> you and me are too lazy compared to Maka uh, when it comes to doing podcasts. So we have to, when he says we do it at this time, we say yes, cool. Okay, I'll sir. Yes, master. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it comes down to. So I know this. You got to cop it and keep your mouth shut occasionally. Hey. So here you go. This is interesting. Zach Wilde posted 15 minutes ago, the Loeb stuff is real, trade or no trade. Pretty sure he won't be on the list. Oh, that's good. That was 15 minutes ago. Okay. I'm not sure I, he I do will be traded, but uh, I don't think he's going to be on the list next year. I do see that mm-hmm. I do see that a team like Gold Coast could see value in having him as their last man on their list for free. Mm. And 
just quickly, I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about all the free trade stuff. I think it shows, Fremantle shows why you need to be active in this sort of area, though. I mean, they're looking at maybe getting Hogan, Wilson. Um, who was the other player that I'm missing? I'm going to get Hogan. Yeah, they're talking about Hogan. Um, <laughs> no for next year. For next year. Next year. Yeah. 2018. Yes. No, I don't reckon. Yeah, they're looking at Hogan in the They're going to offer the tri- him a huge the... deal at the end of next year uh, to try and entice well, him back. At, at what time in the last 20 years has Freeman have not been offering huge deals to players? Um, you know, they, they mostly don't go back. But I can't well, remember I work who with the other... Daniel Pearce. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Hey, don't knock Piercy. I liked Piercy. Piercy was good. He was a good hard worker. He was a good hard worker. Yeah. It was a lot worse than Daniel that played for us. Yes, no doubt. Right, on that note, we'll be back on Monday and uh, can't appear. Nine o'clock Monday. Can't what? Can't the Tiger. From Tigerland. Don't <laughs> Porsche, you saddened me greatly. <laughs> Thank you. On in the kitchen. Oh, look at this. Quite simple. Good attack from Alapati Carlo. He left his man. He took them on. He gets the lines. Oh, baby! The finest of lines.